Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Thursday of the 24th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Look upon us, O God, creator and ruler of all things, and that we may feel the working of your mercy, grant that we may serve you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, the gospel that you received and in which you are firmly established. Because the gospel will save you only if you keep believing exactly what I preached to you, believing anything else will not lead to anything. Well then, in in the first place, I taught you what I had been taught myself, namely that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised to life on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared first to Cephas, and secondly to the twelve. Next, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive though some have died. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me too. It was as though I was born, when no one expected it. I am the least of the apostles. In fact, since I persecuted the church of God, I hardly deserve the name Apostle. But by God's grace, that is what I am. And the grace that he gave me has not been fruitless. On the contrary, I, or rather the grace of God that is with me, have worked harder than any of the others. But what matters is that I preach what they preach. And this is what you all believed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his love has no end. Let the sons of Israel say, His love has no end. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The Lord's right hand has triumphed. His right hand raised me up. I shall not die. I shall live and recount his deeds. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. You are my God. I thank you. My God, I praise you. I will thank you, for you have given answer, and you are my Saviour. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Alleluia, alleluia. Come to me, all you that labour and are burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to a meal. When he arrived at the Pharisee's house and took his place at table, a woman came in who had a bad name in the town. She had heard he was dining with the Pharisee and had brought with her an alabaster jar of ointment. She waited behind him at his feet, weeping, and her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them away with her hair. Then she covered his feet with kisses and anointed them with the ointment. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is that is touching him, and what a bad name she has. Then Jesus took him up and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Speak, master, was the reply. There was once a creditor who had two men in his debt. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. They were unable to pay, so he pardoned them both. Which of them will love him more? The one who was pardoned more, I suppose, answered Simon. Jesus said, you're right. Then he turned to the woman. Simon, he said, you see this woman? I came into your house and you poured no water over my feet. But she has poured out her tears over my feet and wiped them away with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she has been covering my feet with kisses ever since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. For this reason I tell you that her sins, her many sins, must have been forgiven her, or she would not have shown such great love. It is the man who is forgiven little who shows little love. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Those who were with him at table began to say to themselves, Who is this man that he even forgives sins? But he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't mean for this to sound critical or judgy or anything. It's just a a simple statement of fact. Priests are pretty closely watched in their parishes. There's always someone who's keeping an eye on what the priest is up to, out of interest, out of curiosity or, or, or whatever. And you find out about it in all sorts of ways. You know, someone will have a little passing comment. Oh, Father, I noticed that your car wasn't in the driveway this morning. At the parish barbecue, oh, Father, please, have some salad. I noticed you only had some sausages so far. 
I was on my walk this morning and saw that your office light was on. Gee, you must have been up early. I'm sure it's all out of great interest and concern. Uh, but at the same time, um, as a priest, it, it kind of means that um, i got to think about how things look. Things can be easily misinterpreted and rumours can follow behind pretty quickly. So we used to hear in the seminary that we not only needed to do the right thing, we also needed to be seen to be doing the right thing. And, you know, fair enough, particularly considering the climate that, you know, we clergy are in at the moment. But it does make me wonder about the gospel today. This woman clearly has a reputation. Uh, and I, I don't know whether she was a prostitute or whether she was someone who was considered to have loose morals or whatever, but she's awfully familiar with Jesus. <laughs> you know, to be at his feet crying and washing his feet with her tears and wiping his feet with her hair. You can almost imagine the Pharisees just sort of going, wait, how do you know this woman? Have you guys met before? And that's how the rumours start. It's funny, when, you know, Simon the Pharisee has this thought to himself that, that Jesus kind of intuits. You know, he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is that is touching him and what a bad name she has. I'd always kind of imagined that the reason why this woman shouldn't be touching Jesus is because she's got a bad reputation, that somehow there's a kind of shame that's involved in associating with this woman. But I wonder if it's more got to do with the fact that Jesus is risking his reputation. She's touching him in a pretty kind of familiar, like almost intimate way. You can almost imagine Simon the Pharisee kind of thinking, well, that doesn't look good. If he were a prophet, he probably wouldn't take risks like that. But I think there's something of Jesus' love and willingness to sacrifice himself that's present in this story. That she comes in this state of great contrition and wanting to express her love in a very tender way. And Jesus lets her even if it's going to be misunderstood by others, that he's willing to be misunderstood. He's willing to put his reputation on the line for the sake of this woman who's clearly been so deeply moved. But there's something amazing, almost embarrassing about this woman. I mean, look at the picture. She's using her tears to wash Jesus' feet and her hair to dry them. I mean, you know, if you're shedding enough tears to be washing someone's feet, uh, I'm not imagining that it's a, you know, sort of dignified single tear that's, you know, gently rolls down her cheek. There's something very vulnerable about crying in public. You're kind of allowing your soul to appear on your face. And she's okay with that. Consider now that she's using her hair to dry Jesus' feet. Now, for starters, I mean, feet in Jesus' time, like, would have been dirty. Dusty streets, dirt roads, shared with livestock. It's not a pretty picture. Um, and certainly, you know, this reality informs the tremendous gesture that Jesus performs at the Last Supper in washing the disciples' feet. But 
Here we see the woman washing Jesus' feet with her tears and wiping it with her hair. Now, I always wondered about that because hair is uh, not especially absorbent. But look at it at another level. Hair is what we spend a lot of time on to make beautiful. We get our own hairstyle and use our own products. And and you can probably imagine this woman with a bad reputation in the town um, probably spent a good bit of time doing her hair, making herself attractive and beautiful to men. But now before Jesus, she's willing to dirty her hair, the very thing that made her beautiful and attractive to other men. How extraordinary. Indeed, she's one who loves much. There's no question about that. What a change that's brought about in her. She then takes this alabaster jar of ointment, this perfume, and instead of using it for herself, she applies it to Jesus' body. What a beautiful gesture. And yet again, It's something that she gives. It's something that she sacrifices to Jesus out of love. But it's here that Jesus makes the comparison between Simon and this woman. I think we can see that she's used up herself in the expression of love to Jesus. She has cried these tears which make her vulnerable in front of everyone. She has cleaned Jesus' feet. She's been willing to dirty her own beauty in order to express her love for the Lord. The perfume which she might have used for herself, she's poured out upon the Lord Jesus. And all the while, she's covered his feet with kisses. Contrast there is Simon, who who didn't do any of these things. Now, I don't know that Jesus is necessarily expecting that Simon does do these things, or particularly these things. But Simon hasn't exactly included himself in these expressions of love. She has really spent herself in a passionate way. But Simon not. I came into your house, says Jesus, and you poured no water over my feet, but she's poured out her tears over my feet and wiped them away with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has been covering my feet with kisses ever since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. It's just a simple comparison. They both obviously love the Lord, but there seems to be a difference in degree. And and this is borne out by the little parable that Jesus says. One debtor owed 500 denarii, the other owed 50. One will love more and the other will love less. I think the Lord Jesus lays out the goal pretty clearly. The goal here is to love more. And the key is to encounter the love of Jesus first. That's why she's so taken by him. Because he's shown her mercy. She has encountered the deep love of the Lord Jesus. A love which enables her to spend her entire self in his service. And that's where we got to be. That's the space that we need to occupy. I find that the Lord is so gentle with Simon here. A very simple little question. Why so little love? 
I think we too get the same invitation to love the Lord Jesus like this woman, not just at a distance like Simon does, but to include our whole selves. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. That loving Jesus would not simply be something we do exteriorly, but something that takes up our whole hearts. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.